following podcast contains coarse language and strong opinions on wine. Seriously, these two have potty mouths and little self-control. Listeners, you've been warned. Live and socially distanced from our outdoor studios in suburban Chicago, it's another edition of That Wine Pod. I'm Pete, and sitting across from me, the wizard of Willamette, Vino Mike. Hello, everybody. What's going on? All right, full disclosure, this is take two, because I screwed up the first recording. So you already knew the, yeah, right, a little buzzing national from a bee. (laughs) I had to go and get a magazine just to kind of swat it away before I get hate mail for killing a bee. I'm just trying to swat it away. Just trying to get it away from me. Don't want to be stung on the air again. I think one bee in the backyard in suburban Chicago is okay for the entire ecosystem. Mike, I'm going to have to disagree. Butterfly effect. <laughs> we don't know what that one bee would have done. And, you know, maybe if I kill that bee, maybe we don't cure COVID. Who knows? <laughs> he got, right? Well, I don't know. He got way off course, man. Like. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, anyway, it is a beautiful day, which is why we're even outside, mm-hmm. because it's like in the 70s. Absolutely gorgeous. And we've got a beautiful bottle of wine, which we kind of give away the location there in the intro, which I often do. Mm-hmm. But there's some things going on out there that are not so pleasant. And we want to talk about that. But we don't want to take away from the beauty of this wine by getting into that right away. So I say we just jump into the bottle, dude. Let's do it. So I was pumped to uh, bring a bottle of Pinot Noir over, and it's just that time of the year. Like you said, we're in the 70s now, I think barely in the 70s, and it was in the 50s this morning waking up, and it's just the weather's turning cool, and I'm so excited to drink Pinot Noir again. Uh, This is a great example of what Oregon and the Willamette Valley can offer up, why I'm so excited about this region in general and i love 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 pinot noir out of willamette valley for for this reason of what you can find um so what we're drinking today this is like the epitome of the small family run estate this is called beckham estate vineyard that's the last name of the producer husband and wife andrew beckham and andrea beckham Uh, i think they have three kids uh, they're living out here in the Willamette Valley, out there, I should say. We're not. Oh, don't you wish here. we were out there? <laughs> I do. Well, maybe not today. I don't know, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, man, the fires. It's a uh, it's a bittersweet episode. You know, yeah. we'll get into that, but we wanted to, of course, shine some spotlight and support Oregon with everything it's going through, but also at the same time, just talk about why and how it is such an awesome, awesome area. Uh, for wine production. And this, this bottle speaks for itself. So, um, small producer, they're out in the Willamette Valley. They bought a house in a subregion called the Shehalem Mountains. Uh, specifically, they're on Parrot Mountain. And it is very high elevation compared to the other sub areas out there. So our, some of our listeners might be familiar with like McMinnville, Ribbon Ridge, the Eola Amity Hills. There's about six or seven sub AVAs that make up the Willamette Valley altogether. And uh, the Beckhams are in, sh- in the Shehalem Mountains. So high elevation, get a little bit different style of Pinot Noir. And also a lot of other really cool grape varietals come out of this area too uh, that we'll get into. But so this bottling right here, the vintage, pretty stoked to try this with you. It's 2012. 
crazy. Um, it was a, I think, just a right down the middle sort of classic vintage from what I can remember. Not really wet. Like 13 was kind of cool and wet. Um, you hear about like 14 being really warm and ripe. I think this was just kind of your right down the middle classic year. And um, this is their reserve bottling that they call Dow's, D-O-W-S, which is a family name. The, the name Dow has been in their family for like 150 years or something like that. And so it just pays homage to the family and the, they'll just pick their best barrels from the vintage and produce this wine. So and, Dow's isn't uh, a reflection of a, like some sort of single vineyard. Correct. This is still their estate fruit. This is 100% estate fruit. Um, on the label is Beckham Estate Vineyard and any wine they make that says that it is from their backyard. Um, I was fortunate enough to visit this property uh, I think it was 2014 I was able to go visit them. And I mean, they just, that's their house is right there. And when they bought the house, they bought it because the the husband, Andrew, the winemaker also, uh, Andrea is more of the business side. Andrew's more of the winemaking. Um, I think they both probably work on the farming a little bit together. But, um, you know, Andrew is a ceramist uh, artist, ceramics artist. Uh, this is what he does for a living. He still does it. He teaches it at the high school level. I, th- I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's crazy. So they moved here. I've never met a ceramist. A ceramicist? Ceramics? Anybody who makes their living doing ceramics. There you go. Cer- especially teaching it. Especially teaching it. And they they moved from the Midwest. I believe they, they might be from Wisconsin, somewhere nearby here. They moved out to Oregon. They bought this house in the Chehalem Mountains because it had a little side shed sort of studio area where he could do his ceramics. And everywhere around the house was basically trees. Um, but they kind of caught the bug from a lot of their neighbors, you know, doing farming. And they decided to plant a few rows and off they went. I think their first vintage was maybe 2009. So, you know, this is a pretty new winery. And that's what's also really, really cool about Oregon is that you have these little parcels of land that are still available for um, the small mom and pop to set up shop and do something. Uh, So over the last, let's say, 10 years or so, they got more and more into the wine hobby, I would say, or side hustle, perhaps. We'll get into that as well. But they decided to, you know, clear some more area on their own land to plant more vines. But they do it in a way that definitely works with the environment, keeps the wildlife. Speaking of wildlife, (laughs) we got a couple of bees that have joined us here uh, again. So. Pete's got his... Uh, well, there's only one before. It went and got a buddy. Went and got a buddy. Pete's got the swatter ready to go. Um, actually, this is... Oh, man. I don't know if I can get a picture of this. We got a B on the Beckham bottle. B, Beckham. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, this uh, is vastly entertaining, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. Well, the things we do to bring the that wine pod to life. Um, so they, little by little, you know, basically, op- you know, cleared land on their property to just plant more vines. Now... This is small production. The bottle that we're drinking today, the 2012, they made 70 cases. Whoa. So that's only like, not even, that's like three barrels. Seven zero. Yeah. It's tiny. Yeah. Not even three. Call call it three at the most. Yeah. Three at the top end, three Mm -hmm. barrels. And the current vintage, which I think is 2017, is 100 cases. So they've kept it 
super small. So they kept it super small, but it also gives you an idea of the like the size of their state. It, this is not very big. Well, and the precision of which they're choosing their best grapes. So they're not just yes. saying like everything's the best. Yep. They are really honing it down. I mean, because even now, today, five years later, in vintage, right? The current vintage being 2017, even though we're in 2020. Yep. They are only making four barrels, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think to compare, their regular estate Pinot Noir, not this reserve Dow's, is under a thousand cases. I think it will vary vintage to vintage, but let's just say 800. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean... I know you've got a lot more facts to throw out, but I think this no, could be an, an interesting time to talk about how did these wines make it into a market like Chicago so that you even know what they are. Yeah. Right. Versus just selling out of their tasting room and right there regionally. Yeah. Well, the story behind this one, um, once again, we're going to shout out to Bevuma, the Italian importer, Paolo Ciruti. You know, he is, I would say, 98% Italian wine is what he represents. Um, but he's got some things outside of of Italy. And he has a uh, distributor partner and friend that he worked with, like a former colleague that has a distributorship in Oregon. Um, and so, you know, many years ago, they he connected Paolo with the Beckhams. And the thing that I took away from talking with Paulo about this a little bit is he's from Piedmont. Paulo is from Piedmont. And he feels that of everywhere he's ever been, especially domestically, that Oregon and the Willamette Valley reminds him most of his homeland of Piedmont, not just in terms of the elevation and soil and climate and things like that, but just the vibe, the culture, the way that people live out there everyone kind of knows everybody there's not a lot of big corporate there's a little bit that's invaded and we can talk about that later also but it's a lot of small independent wineries out there does he think that they could grow nebbiolo did you ask him about that that's really interesting man and i i will tell you right now that according to the beckham website not only do they have Pinot Noir planted on their estate, but they farm Trousseau Noir, which is a grape from the Jura of France. They farm Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, Aligote, which is a white grape that is associated with Burgundy, Gamay, of course, like Beaujolais, and then they have a very small test block of Italian varietals. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always wondered why that area didn't have more Italian varietals, because I know that Pinot Noir thrives and it's kind of their calling card. Yes. I know that coming in a close second is going to, not a close second, a far second is going to be Chardonnay yep. that they're known for, right? So you get that Burgundy thing going. So it makes a lot of sense that you're going to see other Burgundian grapes in there. Yeah. Right? But I always wondered why they didn't do more Italian varietals given the similarities. And I was real. I'm, I'm excited to hear that Paolo said that because nobody's going to know that more than him. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. um, Yeah. And Paulo just didn't want to just try to grab any producer just to have a Willamette Valley Pinot Noir in the book, which, you know, a lot of larger distributors, they just need to carry that. He doesn't need to carry anything. Right. Outside of Italy. Like that's his bread and butter. But when he does, he's going to make sure that he's like working with something that fits his philosophy. And I think the Beckhams are, are right on board with that in terms of what they're doing, how they're making the wine out 
on their estate. I mean, it's very hands-off. We could call this a natural wine. They don't call it natural. It's not billed that way. It doesn't say certified organic, biodynamic. It, again, that's all marketing. So throwback to the old country, right? You yeah. just That's just the way you do things. They just do it. They're very hands-off. They want the fruit and their estate to shine the most in the wine, which we can get into like smelling and tasting this in a second. But, you know, this is, it's, it is aged 100% in French oak. 40% is new for only 15 months. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, and this is the reserve. I think there's maybe even a little bit less new on the estate, right? Uh, yeah, there there is. I mean, I just had the estate recently and it, it's so elegant for the price point. Yeah. It, it's really an insane value. It's so stupid. For, for what you're getting. And so is this. I mean, I've already taken my first couple of sips. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. As a quick aside before we get into the wine. Yeah. And this, so we're both doing remote teaching. Like we didn't talk a lot about it on this, but we've talked about it in previous episodes. So when you're like Paulo Piedmont, I'm going Paulo P Piedmont P P P P. <laughs> right. I mean, it's because I'm doing a lot of phonics work with my five year old, and they just happen to she happens to be off school today, and that's all that's going through my mind when we're using any kind of alliteration or yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, it's so bad that that's where my mind is at now. All the time that I'm, I'm really struggling with the adult conversation. It's really fucked up. Like, I do. I'm struggling with the adult conversation. <laughs> we need some more, some more, uh, yeah, f bombs on this show just to make <laughs> up for it. Because I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm living in that world the majority of my time. Outside of that, I'm actually coaching baseball, so it's not school, but I'm with like six, seven, and eight year olds as in my spare time. And how many times in your mind doing the coaching, you're going, "What the fuck are you doing?" Oh my gosh, gotta <laughs> 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 gotta got dial it back there, you know? Uh, like, hey, it's all it's all positive. Good job, Joey. <laughs> Good job. All right. Good effort. You know. Oh, dude. Sorry about fun. that. It's, it's like I, I just it kept going through my mind. I'm like, I gotta say this, or it's gonna be like an earworm. Hey, like, you know, I, I, think, I think a little bit earlier, I was like, ooh, a bee on the Beckham bottle. Right. How many bees bah, can bah. we? <laughs> no, 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 not pa pa ba. Oh bah. my goodness. You know, <laughs> I learned about the inventor of the traffic light last week. I mean, oh. you know, it's just kind of cool stuff. You don't really, uh, you know, come was, across. Was it Hans Traffic? <laughs> uh Garrett Morgan. Oh, look at that. Invented the traffic signal. So all right. Back into the wine. I think we should get back to the wine. <laughs> Maybe we should talk a little bit about the wine. Yes. A little bit about the wine. So uh anyways, I think we we're we we're talking a little bit about the oak. They dial it back. They also don't filter at all, and they use as little sulfur as possible. So very, very minimal sulfur, which all wine has minimal sulfur, people, but they really do dial it back because they don't want that to it, you know, impart any kind of flavor or impact on the wine, on the final product. Yeah. Um, so these wines, though, you were talking about the regular estate. I think that sells for around 30 bucks. Yeah, which is insane. It is so freaking good. And then Honestly, this, if that was 40, I wouldn't bat an eye. And this is not, this is basically right there. I mean, this is 50 on their website for a single bottle. I'm sure it comes down in price if you're a club member. Um, retail around here, I don't really know. This is such small production. So how does this get into the market? Well, I think the majority of their sales are wine club. They're selling direct from their winery, which, you know, if you live locally and you're interested in some Beckham, you know what to do. Give us a call, right? shoot us an email, whatever. We can facilitate through the distributor to get you the wine. If you're not, 
Or if you just want to go straight through the winery because you don't want to talk to a couple of glass holes like us, <laughs> just go on to the Beckham Vineyard, BeckhamEstateVineyard.com. Their website will link it up. You can just ship and buy, buy it. They'll ship it to you straight from the website, which I think is the majority of their, of their business. Yeah. And I would imagine something like this, you're not really going to find it retail much. Correct. So you'll buy it off their website. If it gets into the market, like with somebody like Paolo, not let's take COVID out of the equation. We yep. always have to when we're talking about this, right? Sure. It would typically, my guess, you'd find it in in some restaurants where Paulo has placed it because he's really good with that. What's called on premise in the in the lingo of our industry. Yeah, on premise meaning that you consume the wine on the premise versus off premise where you take it away to consume it. Yep. And Paulo does a great job with a lot of restaurants in the Chicago area, and I could see him just placing this in a few restaurant. Uh, in a few restaurants because he doesn't have that much to begin with. Yeah. So, I mean, if they only are making 100 cases, I can't imagine that Paul's getting much more than, you know, 20, 25 cases of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, at the reserve, that. At the reserve tier, if that. I think it's a lot less, to it be might, It might be 10 or 12. It so might even be 8. It's like a case here, a case there. And then the same thing with the estate. There's not a whole lot coming into the market through distribution. And yes, a lot of it does go to the restaurant. And it's such a just fucking beautiful wine for a restaurant list because That's perfect like this is probably in the 70s maybe 80 dollars. i would think at the most you could go even less and when you're reading a restaurant wine list this quality small family run estate all the love and care that they put into it and how good the wine is um just phenomenal so um 2012, dude, it's got a little little age to it. Eight years old. I think there's a lot of vibrancy and youth here, but it is coming into this like beautiful, perfect drinking window. Um, these wines are gorgeous upon release, but they are also just built to cellar. They're built to age. So, um, you know, right off the bat for me, I get like, you know, going just beyond the fruit. Of course, there's red fruits and cherries and raspberries, but it's got this like beautiful balsamic note. Um, as bees are flying around Pete, I'm trying to think of uh, descriptors with the letter B for the wine here. You guys can hear the swatting possibly. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but there's this really beautiful balsamic note, um, dried, like dried leaves, dried forest floor, a little bit of dried mushroom. Um, definitely the oak imparts a little sweetness in terms of like a little bit of vanilla and some baking spices. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous on the nose, but the palette on this thing is where it's at for me. It's oh, absolutely. So elegant. It's got some power and some structure behind it. Cause this is mountain fruit. As far as Willamette Valley is concerned, the Shehala mountains, I think it can make a little bit more of a brooding bigger style of wine than uh, some of the other areas. Yeah, and at the same time, it it's holding freshness and acidity, which is why I think that you're able to drink it now and just have it be so elegant. Still, it's uh, food friendly would to, would be like an understatement. Yeah, it is an understatement. It's so well balanced, and again, why this plays so well for the for the restaurant list um, outside of uh, you know going into bottle shop and just just finding these wines i think having this with great food at a restaurant just that's where it really gets uh, shown you know in the spotlight yeah absolutely and so i i think that it's a really good example of what a small estates in the willamette valley it's willamette damn it if you've ever heard willamette or whatever that's wrong damn correct. it willamette damn it 
Uh, and it gives you an opportunity to taste something that should be, you know, like I think about like when you see uh, this wine should be $80, but it's $40 on our shelves. Like mm. there's some legit uh, pieces to that when you talk about a wine like this, right? Yeah. So if you're able to find the Dow's at, let, let's just say 50 off the website. Yep. I mean, you're going to get it and you're going to compare this to higher end Pinot Noir. I think you're getting value here. Yeah. I mean, I've paid a lot more and gotten a lot less. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. Especially with Pinot Noir because it's so fickle, such a difficult grape to work with at times. And you've got a lot of, have a lot of love and care to this. And if you're not deft with the oak, it just becomes, well, becomes Mayomi. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't. It doesn't resemble Pinot Noir anymore. So this has just enough oak on it. And I, I think that they take a lot of care um, at Beckham with the vessels that they use to age their wine. Oh, yeah. Big time. And definitely something worth bringing up is Andrew, as we mentioned, is a ceramics artist. One B down. Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to just swat it away, but it would not leave me alone. Yeah, it, it really wouldn't. It was all up in your grill for sure. So if something really bad happens in the world, just blame me. It's on the glass, on the microphone, right in front of you. It was in your face. It, was, like, it almost went in my mouth when I was trying to talk, Yeah, which I don't blame it for trying to get to sting me in the mouth and stop me from talking. <laughs> that just makes, that would have just made my wife happy. So <laughs> maybe a lot of listeners too. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, if anyone is still listening... <laughs> um. No, so Andrew is a really good ceramics artist and uh, one of, you know, the oldest winemaking techniques going back like just millennia is uh, using clay vessels called amphora. And they came across this when Andrea read an article about Foradori, Elisabetta Foradori in Italy, making wine in terracotta in clay vessels. So Andrew experimented and he started firing off some examples in his studio to try to, you know, use for their own wines. And fast forward to today, what's real? this is really fucking cool. And I didn't know this. He is the only commercial producer of Amphora for wineries and breweries in North America. Yeah, I did know that, actually. That was one of the few things I knew. I didn't know he was, like, that exclusive. Yeah. I knew it was super unique, and I knew he was selling his vessels to other producers that are they're in demand, you know? Right. Um, they are made with such love and care. They're absolutely beautiful. And the terracotta, when you ferment wine in that or you age wine in that, it it imparts much less flavor basically on the wine compared to an oak barrel but it still gives it a vessel where it can breathe versus stainless steel yeah exactly i mean look it's not a billion dollar industry or else a lot of people would be making them yeah. they'd be making them in mass production right yeah. these are labor intensive and if you want unique shapes or you want a unique design or something you're gonna have to find an artist to do it yeah and a lot of wineries aren't doing a ton of wines in this type of vessel they're doing just a few and then they use that to highlight like in a tasting room or in um in their cave or in their barrel room they'll have these you know sometimes you'll see concrete eggs you'll see amphora but they're like set off and highlighted and you know that they're almost like a showpiece for the winery mm -hmm. they make great wine but it's also expensive today back in the day 
it wasn't expensive, right? People were just making their own vessels, right? right? And going and finding the right kind of oak would would have been way more pricey. Plus, people didn't know about aging wine in oak back then, right? So I I think it's a really unique way that they... He separates himself, and it's like a side hustle within a side hustle within a side hustle, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, because doing the vineyard alone could be a side hustle because they could just sell the grapes. They could just sell fruit. Bottling it is a side hustle, right? Making these vessels is a side hustle. Especially like like this Beckham we're drinking, 70 cases produced. Yeah. Let's just say 50 bucks a bottle. I mean, just give that away to your friends, right? This, this, <laughs> you know, they're, you know <laughs> it's, it's it's true side hustle. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a, giveaway. It's probably you know. uh, more than a hobby for sure. But now that he's got the Amphora business going, plus they have a whole line of their own wines that they make in the Amphora, which those come on a different label called A.D. Beckham. So the again, the Pinot we're, we're drinking right now, the Dow's or the Beckham Estate, this is your, if you want to call it traditional, just traditional winemaking where it's fermented and then aged in French oak. Their completely different line called A.D. Beckham, that is reserved exclusively for the Amphora wines that they do. And one of the best wines I've tasted domestically is their Syrah. Absolutely. That's which exactly I where I was going. I think they co-ferment with a little bit of Viognier. Yeah. And it's in the Amphora. It's under the A.D. Beckham label. Probably around 35 40 bucks. Not crazy, crazy premium here un freaking believable like the texture when you taste the amphora wines the texture is just way different it's super silky um you know terracotta is clay it comes from the earth so it kind of that's a philosophy also where it's like the grapes are from the earth the right. farming is very earthly the terracotta comes from the earth you kind of marry them together it's all this like beautiful kumbaya fucking right, thing right. that comes out in in the form of a beautiful bottle of wine yeah that's right that that it reminded me the first time I tasted it of like the most incredibly elegant version of Cote Roti. Mm-hmm, yeah. and, and I don't often like to do that. Like, oh, it's like a, you know, go into the old world. Like, that's just, I don't know. It's like too much of a go to today. It is right? too much. Like, it's, I wouldn't it's... compare these Pinot Noir to Burgundy. I yeah. don't, I don't find that. Yeah. Right. But that I did find a comparison to Cote Roti on the super elegant side. And it was like $40. And I was like, I'm spending a boatload if I want if I want to get to Cote Roti, it's sixty bucks to get to something pretty decent there, uh, unless you get lucky, right? Agreed. Yep. And so it was just I don't know such a treat, and I thought just an awesome job all around. So, you know, Mike, I think we've given a lot of love to Beckham. We and have you, much you, deserved, much deserved. And you talked about the Kumbaya with the Earth. Well, the Earth has kind of turned on that region a little bit recently. Oh, yeah. And and it's not just Oregon. It's up and down that West Coast, all the way into Washington, all the way down into California. I just read today that five of the ten biggest fires in California history are raging right now. Yeah. And they're gonna there's a couple in Oregon that look like they're gonna merge which is just awful. We talked about how beautiful it is here today. However, it is hazy. The smoke has made it all the way to the Midwest at this point. It is a hazy kind of sun today. And dude, I just don't know what to say. Like, it is so sad to see what's going on. I mean, the last I saw over 30, like it was like 30 some people had already died. They were, I saw uh, or heard today on, I listened to a podcast called Up First. And they were mm-hmm. talking about how they have now warned people inside not to vacuum because it kicks up the dust particles and there's so much danger in them right now. They're worried about 
people breathe, breathing those in and then being more susceptible to COVID. So it's just, it's one thing after another. Just how much can you layer on? Um, and I mean, these fires are right in the heart of Willamette Valley right now. And, you know, from, from what I know, the Beckhams will just stick with them for a second. I believe that they're like, okay. You know, they're not immediately threatened, but it's not like it's that far away. If you go on Instagram and look up any Willamette Valley winery or producer, you're going to see these pictures and they're just absolutely horrific. And you've got workers up there. It's harvest right now. It's September. Yeah. And they're in the vineyards and they're trying to pick grapes before they can't. Before they can't. And um, among all this, like, I mean, it's hazy here in Illinois, two right. time zones away. The smoke there, you know, there's a, in the, you know, the weather forecast, it's a dense smoke advisory. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're bracing for a cataclysmic event. Yeah. In, in Oregon. And I know it seems maybe silly to talk about, hey, what's going to happen to the wine? Uh, industry because of these fires but if you can bear with us for a second we understand that it can be life or death immediately we understand that people's homes can burn down and that is definitely going to be way more important than you getting a 2020 pinot noir from beckham or any other oregon estate however there is also the danger that goes later when the people who were supposed to earn money picking grapes don't get an opportunity to do that because, as you and I have both know, there are some people just shutting down production yeah. for 2020. They're just saying we're not going to even risk it. The smoke taint's going to be too great on the grapes. It's going to ha- it's a hazard to your health. Well, now all the people that depend on that vintage, on that vineyard, all the way down to the kids, right? Because that's how they make money, are going to be impacted. And we don't know what the long-term impact of that is. So it can be just, you know, maybe a slower burn, if you will, in terms of what that impact is going to be versus the fast burn of that fire right on top of you. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I'm really concerned for them and their health. And take somebody like Beckham, who the fire is not right on top of them. But as you said, the smoke is drifting. Well, those grapes might get too much. Sorry, B again. Too much smoke taint to uh, to utilize. Yeah. And then there's no vintage. It's wild, man. And we know a couple people directly. Um, you know, one, I, I don't want to name names. I'm not sure if we can, but um, there's a, a former colleague of ours that got an internship to harvest grapes out in the Willamette Valley. And she was so pumped up and I was super pumped up for her. She literally drove across the country and just arrived at the winery that she was going to harvest with. And the day on their on the arrival, they sent an email out saying, hey, we decided not to harvest in 2020. It's just too dangerous. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, the quality comes into mind also. But I think the safety for the staff and the crew and the people coming out to intern and stuff like that, I think that that's the number one priority. And then. Uh, someone else that we mentioned on the wine pod, uh, one of our local master sommiers here in Chicago, Jim Boob, he's been out working at Argyle, um, Argyle Winery, great producer, excellent, excellent sparkling wines. And he, he told me that they're just pressing on. 
like they already started and it's sparkling wine. So they're harvesting a little bit earlier, you know, um, but to the best of their ability, they're just pressing on. So you have from, you know, people calling it off to people right in the middle of it to people that haven't that they don't even know yet that they're what they're going to do. So it's it's just chaos, you know, going on out there right now and wishing everybody the best and wishing everybody to be safe. And yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, safety, people's homes, all of that comes first. But to just hear these stories from people that we know well that are out there in the middle of it. Um, and this is all like, again, it's there's not a whole lot of corporate up there. Um, it's kind of been the land of the independent. More recently, like Kendall Jackson, for example, they moved up into the area. They bought Penarash. Um, let's see what else. Uh, La Crema. You know, I, I like to say invaded, and I'm sure some of the small producers would yeah. agree <laughs> and say that right. they invaded the area. But hey, that's because they it without the smaller producers putting Willamette Valley on the map, there's no way these big corporations or bigger companies come in to make Willamette Valley Pinot Noir if right. it wasn't that big. So kudos to to the Willamette Valley and all the small independents that grew uh, and turned it into what it is today over the last only like 40 years at the most. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At the most. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, big, big problems with fires there. We want to wish them the best. Everybody else, you know, up and down that coast who are in the wine industry, not in the wine industry, you know, we're, you're in our thoughts because it's bad. I mean, just looking at the sky you know, watching the, the Sunday night football game in L.A. Yeah. I think it was Sunday night football in L.A. Um, I mean, they kept showing the sky, which was just this, like, apocalypse red. So, I don't know. Like, it, it really got to me listening to it and then hearing the stories and then talking to a few people that I know out there. Mm-hmm. It's it's just not pretty. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that some people are able to move forward. You know, like Argyle. That's great. Uh, and hopefully they don't do it to the detriment of anybody yeah. else. Of, and I don't think they will, knowing what kind of house that is. So, I mean, th- there's there's a lot to be said for, uh, you know, just being safe out there. And we'll see what happens. I mean, the, the weather has cooled off. Um, there is some rain in the forecast later in the week, which will help. But the wind is pushing everything north. And since the majority of these West Coast fires are south of Oregon, they're getting the smoke from the California fires up there. And then it's spreading to the east and west, like you said, here in Illinois, going out into the Pacific, things like that. But they're just getting flooded with smoke. Um, I would hope smoke is better than fire in terms of people's oh, property. In terms, in terms of property, but not necessarily Not necessarily health, health or safety. Yeah, I mean, and you got to stay inside and maybe if they... I just heard today, if you're on outside, they tell you to have an N95 mask. Yeah. Period. Yeah. In that area. So, like, Portland is like just blanketed i know there's a couple uh organizations you know if you're looking to help that there you can make donation to get masks to the people that are working out there in the vineyards like directly impacting the wineries you know um that they need these this ppe for for harvesting grapes we're not even talking about covid anymore here you know like just ppe for everything I don't know what else 2020 can throw at us, but let's just get it all out of the way now. And uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit uh, easier time going forward. But I don't know. I mean, in general, I'm really glad that we got to talk about Willamette Valley and we talk about Beckham in particular because it's one of my favorite producers. I know it's one of yours, too. Um, There's several other producers out there. Oh, my gosh. So many. We could start naming off. Let's name them. Well, Well, I I mean, a couple. 
uh, Brian Day comes to mind yep, Brian, right away. These are all like small independents. And I love that like two of my favorites, Brian Day for sure and Kelly Fox. Kelly Fox is another one. Um, You know, female winemaker, entrepreneurs, proprietors doing their thing out there. Um, Let's see. I love um, Christum. Oh, yeah. Christum is beautiful. One of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Belpont. Yeah, Belpont. Uh, so that's spelled uh, P-E-N-T-E. Yep. But said Pont. Belle Ponte. Something like that. Right? <laughs> but it's a, another just beautiful wine. I, I was introduced to that wine years ago by our old colleague Amy Johnson. Yep. And yeah, it she was, was so super beautiful. Super high on those wines yeah. for good um for good reason. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Kelly Kelly Fox is is a sleeper if you if you can get your hands on that. As a matter of fact, I was just talking with some friends, uh some good friends who just bought a bottle of uh like a super small production uh like a block that they had done, like so it's 200 cases maybe. Yeah. Uh of a Chardonnay that Kelly Fox did. Oh, nice. And I've tasted it. It's the first vintage they did of it. It's uh, absolutely gorgeous. Mm. I want to say Lark Block. Okay. Uh, but it's just gorgeous stuff. She's a, she's just a, just awesome. Her and Brienne Day are just both make such beautiful, elegant wines. And they're, they're different if you taste them side by side. They can even come from the same vineyard sometimes, but they're definitely a little different philosophy, a little different style right. that comes out. But everyone is, for the most part, is also just very hands off. And a, another one that just popped into my not, mind, another powerful female um, proprietor, Maggie Harrison and her Antiquatera. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Antiquatera Pinot Noir. She's a former assistant winemaker to Manfred Crankle down at Sinequinon yeah. in Central Coast of California. And she's a Chicago connection. And another Chicago connection. Her family is from here in uh, Barrington. Yeah. I, I always loved when her family would come in to shop. And yep. she dropped in, you know, here or there, um, which was always good to see her. Awesome. Uh, and her family. So it was always nice when they came by. There's there's just so many great stories and um Again, I just can't say it enough, like small independent producers and the wines. I mean, Oregon just beautifully straddles the new world and the old world, but it's really its own thing. I don't want to compare it to Burgundy. I don't want to compare it to California. It's just the Willamette Valley. And it's it's just gorgeous. And, you know, like you said earlier, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay for sure. But there's so much else going on there. A lot of ties. Loire Valley grapes do great there with Gamay and Melon de Bourgogne, which is the Muscadet grape. Um, Trousseau from the Jura, like Irie Vineyards comes to mind. A lot of people doing just some crazy cool experimentations with... um, outside the the box of pinot and chardonnay they're not like wild experiments you know crazy mad scientists but you know if you can get your hands on some of the there's not a whole lot produced right you get your hands on some trousseau from oregon i mean how how often do you see that on the shelf pretty much never right uh yeah absolutely well i I think that we can we can kind of wrap it up there yeah um one more thing i wanted to talk about with you real quick sure before we go uh i I think you know I'm I'm a huge baseball fan. Cool. I, like hockey and baseball are kind of my two sports. Yeah. Like, uh, you are. I, I get made fun of quite a bit, you know, for baseball still being like at the top of my list. But I could watch every baseball game every day. The your your team is the Sox, right? I am a White Sox fan. So, so. are you are you a bigger Sox fan or a bigger overall baseball fan? Um, 
I'm probably a baseball fan first, uh, just because of the way I grew up. Couldn't really watch the Sox when right I was on. a youngster, mm-hmm. uh, but I absolutely love the White Sox and and have for my my life. Right, like it's it's just been it's been awesome. And this year for Chicago baseball has been great. Both teams are in first place, and it's been a, a magical year for the White Sox hmm. for sure. Are they calling it the World Series this year? Do you know they are? Okay, yep. so we have a potential a uh, potential Chicago White Sox Cubs World Series is on the table. You know the White Sox have I think a better shot than the Cubs. I mean, you wouldn't think it from the you know experience on the roster, but anyway, I, I would agree. I mean, the Cubs, you know, yeah. <laughs> as a Cubs fan, and I grew up a Mets fan, and I am more of a National League guy, but I love the sport and since i married someone from kansas city i got to really jump on the royals and what they started doing around 2014 that was just amazing and it was sad to see that team get broken up but yeah anyway that was that was awesome to watch but uh anyway my point is the cubs more than likely will throw the division by the end to uh <laughs> perhaps the cardinals this year we'll yeah see. yeah so anyway a few weeks ago tom Seaver died yeah and he was 75 years old so not you know he's so still pretty young he had gone through um, quite a few different battles in his life, but Tom Seaver was a huge wine lover. Right, right on. I didn't know. And even had a winery himself. Wow. Um, so missed that on our celebrity wine uh, yeah. <laughs> episode. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it, it reminded me. So years ago, back in 2005, I and I had opened Wine Styles in Frankfurt. Good year for the White Sox. Uh, it was a great year for the White Sox. Absolutely. Uh, World Series championship. And uh, I had only been open for a couple of months, a few months. And I'm alone because when you're a proprietor of a wine shop, you're often in there alone and you're just waiting for customers during the week. Well, in walks Carlton Fisk, Hall of Famer, White's former Boston Red Sox, of course, and, and Chicago White Sox. And he walked in. Although, also, Tom Seaver had a connection, too, to the White Sox. You know, he won his 300th game in Yankee Stadium in a White Sox uniform. Oh, right on. Pitched a complete game gem. Uh, so, anyway, so, you know, he walks up. He's like, hey, I'm Carlton Fisk. And I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. And I'm like, I don't get too many Hall of Famers in the store. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, what you know, what can I do for you? He's like, all right, well, I'm going to the Hall of Fame dinner. And we have this table that's a bunch of uh, people who love wine. So I've got to make sure that, you know, we always got to try to, you know, match what people like and try to bring something unique, try to one up people. And I saw your shop. I had gone to the chiropractor over here. I saw your shop and I thought I'd give you a try. And I'm like, oh, OK. So I'm like, so, you know, what do you look for? He's like, oh, you know, uh, Tom drinks this. And I'm like, Tom Seaver. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he loves this. And uh, uh, and Raleigh, this was Raleigh, your, this Raleigh was... fingers. <laughs> I'm like. This was your chance to step up to the plate, right? And yes. Swing for oh, the fences. Look at, look at this. Yeah. So, I, my store was not into super high end wines. Like the whole concept of wine styles was everyday wine, twenty five bucks and under. Mm-hmm. And if it was over twenty five bucks, it was in this little area called If You Insist, right? So I took him over to this, you know, and there's only like ten wines, twelve wines. The whole right? it, and you the took entire him to the store, Hall of right? Famer section. To the Hall of Famer section. <laughs> But I got to shop for this dinner with Carlton Fisk, and then he, he came and bought wine for me for years after that. Oh, man. What a great story. And That's great. It was such, like, when I, when I saw Tom Seaver pass, like, it reminded me of, of that story and just the connections and, and, like, the opportunities that I've gotten 
being in the wine industry that I never would have gotten. Right. Right. I mean, I, I'm not going to meet Carlton Fisk. Now, I wasn't the, the douchebag fan asking for autographs. And, you know, back then you weren't really getting selfies and stuff. <laughs> right. But I did. I have to admit the receipt he signed, it was tacked on my board for a while. Good. You know, I mean, you had to do something there, you know, so. Absolutely. But yeah. So, you know, our condolences to the Seaver family, you know, on the passing of, of one of the all time great pitchers in in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's a cool story. And it's also really paints a, a, a nice picture of the wine industry because it really is an adventure. So whatever job you might take next, whatever role you might play next in the industry, there's just an it's another adventure waiting around the corner. None of it is mundane and boring. Um, you know, I mean, you might have been slow waiting for customers to come in, but then <laughs> and what's right. Carlton Fisk? Right? Yep, exactly. You know? That was and you know, I think he might have been my first customer of the day. Right. You know, you just and maybe know. only one. You just never know. But he bought plenty. So that's all I cared about. <laughs> and you know what? You don't need to be Carlton Fisk to get a good recommendation from uh, Pete over here. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, helped helped the many normal non Hall of Fame people over my over my career. That's so. right. That's right. Oh, dude, thanks for indulging me, and thanks to the audience for indulging me that story. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my fondest memories in the industry. And yeah, it happened early yeah, on, you know, so. it's, a, it's, a, it's the best time of the year. We got baseball, we got football, we got bonus basketball, NBA playoffs. If you're into that, there's golf. I mean, this is, you know, hockey September, October. That's right. Some of it's out of the ordinary, but usually, hey, we're you know, take college it. football starting. Um, it's nice to see, you know, some sports happening, I guess, amongst all of this. But. And empty stadiums, still getting used to the pumped in crowd noise. Right. So, <laughs> oh, that's all right. Well, if it's if in your heart and in your budget, go out there and help some people that are being impacted by these fires on the West Coast. Yeah. And in the meantime, drink what you like tonight. Thank you for listening to That Wine Pod. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at at that wine pod. And we are That Wine Podcast on Facebook. Also, check out Mike on Instagram at Vino Mike and Pete is at Fat Man Stories. Please subscribe to That Wine Pod on your favorite podcast app and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. The music is Proto Funk by Kevin McLeod. That Wine Pod is a production of Paragon Media. Oh, no, 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 no.